Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. And welcome to the AGS Turf Hub. My name is Matt Lebrun, and I hope you enjoy the part two of the conversation with Jim Batar, head groundsman at Twickenham Stadium. I'm quite laid back anyway. Everybody says it's, whether it's rightly or wrongly or for my own good, that's my very natural demeanour is that I'm quite laid back. But yeah, it's it's when I was a lot younger, you used to kind of get buzzing and you'd really get into it and you'd be like, oh, this hasn't done right, we need to do this, we need to do this. Uh, and you have to remember there's nothing you can do. Once it's happening, it's happening. Mm. So the picture doesn't get paused, it doesn't get postponed. You just got right. Let's let's do what we need to do here, and just know what I need to do for the next one, and, that, and that's why you got to look at it. And it's so easy to fall down a rabbit hole, you know, yeah. of whether it be the kind of product side, whether it be with the lights. The I've disappeared down many rabbit holes in my time. You know, every evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. I think a lot of it, when I speak to like guys like yourself, is going, look, pull it back to the, the fundamentals, you know, the basics of everything that's going on. Uh, if you monitor those and you get those right, you'll always be in a good position. And then from there, it's kind of tweaking it to get that extra, to go from like 80, 85 to kind of 95%. It's like when you're going faster in a car, isn't it? It's, it's easy to go up to 100 miles an hour. But then, yeah. in order to put that extra on it, exactly, you need yeah. to put ten times the more, amount. Yeah, yeah. It's more exactly. That's a, yeah, it's a good analogy. To be fair, yeah, it's more effort, more skill required, uh, and that, yeah, you do that. That is pretty much it. It's a mantra I always stick by. I, I think doing the basics really, really well, you will always pretty much be eighty percent of the way there. Yeah, and that doesn't matter what level you're at. I think if you've if you've got the skill set, you've got the resources, and you've got the time, you can deliver a pitch at 80% for the majority of the season. I think it's just that elite level where we start chasing the small numbers, start chasing the rest. Right. You're which... striving for perfection, aren't you? You guys. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah, that's ultimately what it is. Um, and we never find it, but we, we, we still keep going down the same road. Uh, uh, and that's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting one. Really. I found as I got older. I mean, once I've got an idea, same thing. Um, I mean, I use football as an example. During the fixture list will come out. You plot it all out on there, and you'll see right what gaps have I got. Yeah. Where does where where does my FA Cup where does the FA Cup draws in? And you'll plot, plot all them on there as well. So you'll just put in worst case scenario, thinking right, this is what I'm looking at. And mm. I mean, potentially you could end up having a game every week. Yeah. And. Yeah, and that's the sort of thing you've got to look at and it's just dealing with those those months where you have three fixtures in 10 days and it's like well I've got three fixtures in 10 days but I know I've got two weeks on the back end of that that's enough time for me to get it ready for the next time yeah. and, and that's the way you've got to look at it and I got to a point where I didn't see the fixtures I saw the gaps in between Yeah. because that's, yeah. that's the most important time so it's like right and preparation is preparation that doesn't really change too much by the weather mm. it, normally the, the preparation for a pitch surface is generally the same it's the repairing afterwards so it's that right what do i need to put on there to make sure that's repairing as effectively and efficiently as possible and then what work do we need to put in there uh 
look, for instance, here, I mean, we, we had Georgia um, in the first game for the um, All Nations Cup, and it was it was pissing down and rain, and it was scrum scrummage for the entire game, pretty much. So there was scrums everywhere, and um, Nigel Owens, the ref, didn't do me any favours when he had um, Georgia reset five times, I think, in the same place. And you go, I mean, I stood there, and I was looking at it, and I, and I wanted to shout out, could you move, please? <laughs> that was a polite <laughs> way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and I think, obviously, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. But I think it's, you're just looking at it and you're just thinking, oh, we've got to fix that. It's not a case of, I can't stop it. It's, ha- it's happening. That's what's happening. And, and like I say, the, 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 it was well carved up. I'm not going to lie. I was like, I looked at it and I went, oh, yeah, this is going to take some, this is going to take some work, this is. Mm. And, yeah, okay. I mean, it, it will stand back up. It's still it's safe. They can still play on it. It's aesthetically, it's just not as good as what it could be. But that's just the sport that it is. It's just mm. uh, ultimately the, the surface has got to be safe, um, and that's it. Uh, it. It doesn't matter if it's got hasn't got a blade of grass on it. The game's still going to happen. Well, but you've got to prepare for what you can prepare for. Oh, I find it great working with yourself as in communication. Well, as easy as it can be for for me. You know, you produce a, a monthly kind of sheet that comes out with all your kind of cultural practices on. Then we tweak the kind of inputs and everything else uh, around. And that's actually something that I'm trying to get other people to do as well. Because from like the, the input side, the product side of it, understanding like having that holistic approach yeah, to, to knowing what's going on is half the battle. Uh, and I learned, I mean, I've always been a planner. I mean, everybody that's worked with me, they know I've I've always got the whiteboard. The whiteboard yeah. is always up, so that's generally always getting filled out fairly regularly, and I always keep one on the on the laptop as well. But there's no point painting half a picture for somebody if yeah. you want their help, and and that's the way I've always looked at it. And I found when I was working with Pro Pitch, it was the same thing. So you'd come in there, and it's pretty much like a blank. There's nothing there. You're, you're seeing it at face value. You've yeah. got no history. You've got no nothing. So you've got to see for what it is and then try and do your best to rectify or improve when you've gone in and there to do it. And I found, okay, you've got the language barrier and everything else, but I just if, if somebody just kept a yeah. really basic diary, it gives so much information. You can actually probably identify either what has gone wrong or what needs to change to improve. So now I just think, well, Everybody I deal with now, if I, I'd rather give them information overload for them to yeah. discard what they need to discard than not, because I don't know what's important or crucial for the likes of yourself to know. You know, I'd rather just say, right, this is what we've got, this is what it's done, this is what we're looking to do for this month, etc. So this is the games we've got in there, and then ultimately, okay, yeah, you're going to make suggestions and give me what you think is a, is a good nutritional program to work with within that. And then, yeah, nine times out of ten, we'll come, we'll jump back online and we'll go, yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm, I'm going to change that. I'm yeah. going to take that. Out. You know how it works. Yeah. But the basis is, is that there's there is a plan. It's yeah. just it has to have the ability to adapt and flex, just like we do as a, a, a as an industry. We just have to have that ability to do that. And I think it's it's easy to say. Oh yeah, but if you spray that 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 week and that there, and that'll help with that. And I was like, well, that's great, but I couldn't do that then because it came yeah, down with rain. Exactly. <laughs> so therefore, that doesn't need to go on. But do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. all of a sudden it's 
and that's what I say. I mean, I put stuff up on the, uh, certain days. I'm like, not really. I'll, I'll be happy if I get all that done that week. It doesn't necessarily yeah. even have to yeah. be in that order. It'd be nice if it's in that order, but <laughs> inevitably, it very rarely is. And something that might have started on a Monday ended up getting started on a Thursday, and then it rolls into the following week, and it's just. But like I say, it's just that's just the nature of the beast, really. That's just what you've got to do. But uh, and I think being in a northern hemisphere country, yeah. we don't get severe weather, although that has changed slightly. Mm. It's just having the planning in place and being prepared to have to change that to suit whatever's changed. Having that insurance policy there, make sure I get the light hours in now because I don't know when I'm not going to be able to do it mm. next time. Put the slow release fertilizer down because. If I end up getting that wet weather that might come or it has come or it's, I've got something there, you know, it's just anything to help you kind of sleep easier at night, really. So it's, um, and for me, doing that plan, Mm. all this stupid jumbling that's going on in my head where I end up trawling over the same thought process 10 times, changing it once, and then trying to foresee things that might foresee. Getting it all actually down on a plan to a degree helps kind of kind of clarify things a little bit you know it's so easy just to kind of just oh yeah but yeah but yeah but yeah but what it's just this is is how it's going to be but yeah this is what we need to do this is the bulk of what some of the work we've got to get done and this is how ideally we'd like it to be done but if it's not going to work out it's not going to work out let's just duck that one get ready to ready to come back for the right hook on the next one it is it's a process isn't it you've got the the planning process of everything that you have in place but then you've got the experience behind the flexibility of it you know what happens if i need to force it what happens if i need to hold it off what happens if you know xyz and a lot of it is about risk mitigation you know getting the work in so the, the pitch you're producing is of a consistent level each time but i see communication being a real big part of that as well whether it be like me and you communicating or whether it be staff communication or coach communication yeah you know speaking to them so is that something that you've always done or is that something that you've kind of figured out on the way and gone ah i'll tell you what we need to do uh, i think there's certain elements i mean i i I think there's probably a few people that vouch that I can talk for Britain, but <laughs> not necessarily about anything useful or good. Just, <laughs> just fill in the silence. I think that's probably there's probably something really deep there that I've missed out. But, but yes, yeah, so I, I am an effective talker. I think it does come with experience, though. Mm. So I think you find if you haven't communicated, that's when you really get a good understanding of how important communicating is. Yeah. Uh, that's how I see it. So. Oh, I didn't go and see the coach that day and I've come in the following day and he's absolutely smashed that part of the pitch yeah. up that I really could have done with him not going on, not communicating to your staff that you needed a certain thing, uh, product going on and it needed to go on after they'd done this, but they didn't do that. They did it the opposite way around. It's just like, well, it, it's obvious when you step back and look at it in hindsight, it's like, well, what do you expect them to do? You never asked them or... Mm. gave them any clue that it actually that had to be done a specific way or you didn't want them to use a certain area so i've just found now it's a lot easier to engage with people right from the get-go on the basis being it makes not necessarily my job easier but it ensures that pitch preservation that surface preservation that it's going to do what it wants to do for that length of time that it needs to be used for uh, and that's what I, that's how I have, i've always done it i think some of the more interesting interactions 
I think st- staff is different. I think that interaction with staff is that you treat it like a, you are a team. Yeah. You're all having inputs. You're all having ideas. You are going to sort of brainstorm regularly. And you can't do it all on your own. It's, it's as simple as that. I think as much as you want to be at the forefront of it and it's, uh, yeah, it's my name, it's, it's uh, I'm the face, this, that and the other. Behind every guy that's the head and there is a seriously good quality team behind them mm-hmm. because that's the only way you produce good services. Uh, it's as simple as that. So I think with staff, you have to have that rapport. You have to have that kind of, you spend a lot of time with your staff. So you have to have really good communication. I think with coaches, because um, unless you work at the training ground where they're there regularly all the time, if you're at the stadium, you see them on the match day. So that interaction, it has to be over a period of time where they get to understand how you want them to use that pitch rather than obviously at a training ground, you can kind of have a bit more interaction and have that meeting first thing when the coaches are setting up, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a little bit disjointed and different with that one. And that's not to say it's difficult. You've just got to realise that it's you can't have them walk out. You introduce yourself and say, yeah, you can't use that, you can't use that, and you can't go there. You have to say, look, can I just show you what what we're looking at in terms of the pitch? And it's, an, I think sometimes if you get them to understand what you've asked of them and why you've asked them, is a lot easier. And I think to approach that nice and early is quite good as well. So yeah, I mean, I know life is a lot easier if you're good at communicating. I think that's to summarise it. It's a lot easier to get on in life if you can, and that's goes both ways you need to be able to listen as well so it's just as much as if a coach says no we need to do this that's fine but can you do that there do you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. it just has that ability to negotiate and compromise and things like that so stops things coming to a head and yeah making things difficult but um but yeah like i say i think by not communicating and standing back and letting things happen you see how difficult things can be (laughs) oh massively how can we take what we've learned on the in the top tier and make improvements at that lower level or is it something that we actually just completely strip it back um i mean that's quite an interesting one i mean i think for me again it's just we've already spoke about it i mean it's getting these guys that ultimately they've almost been handed the role or volunteered themselves to say well Mm. yeah I'll look after the pitch and you know it's no disrespect to them they've either not considered it or they've underestimated it what is required to get the pitch good and what that what is a good standard so I think the biggest part here is actually just part part in our knowledge to them on the fundamentals of groundsmanship like I said, I think the expectations are that they, they they need to have something to gauge off. So they need to be able to see other pitches. They need to be able to, uh, at their level, they need to be able to see what, what, what other guys are delivering and being able to give that platform there, which is what Rugby Groundsman Connected was initially set up for, was actually a forum, a hub. So on that Twitter account, was basically so guys could just post bits and pieces on there and people could just pick up ideas and bits and pieces so it's kind of kept it very much it is very much insular it is very much aimed at rugby groundsmen but mm-hmm. that's not to say other guys can just not drop in and do bits and pieces anyway but 
I think it's very easy to just go right. Let's just wipe the slate clean and go from the, go from the start because that, the interesting thing in grassroots is that everybody's at different levels, yeah, and I mean it's it, it's not a case of just like, well, this guy knows a few bits and pieces. This guy's been doing it for ten years, and he's really kind of embraced it. He's uh, been buying books. He's been looking up stuff online. He's been trying to adapt and uh, put into uh, practice those ideas that he's picked up and things like that. And then you've got a guy who's just been I don't know, might have just retired and just wanted something yeah. to do and then said, oh, I'll tell you what, you can just look after the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so it's such a huge spectrum of skill set and knowledge levels that it's going to take a little while for that to kind of level out. Mm-hmm. So you might find that you've got guys that have kind of, yeah, okay, they're quite happy to dedicate their time to it and they've put a lot of work in themselves and they are producing good pitches. But then we need to be able to somehow try to take that as a model, as it were, to try and replicate elsewhere. And like I say, there's so many variables. So I think ultimately the key is, is again, going back to the, the basics of turf management and making sure they have that knowledge to then implement themselves. And with that, they've got the ability to be able to make some fairly significant changes quite quickly. When I say quite quickly, I mean like over two or three years quite mm. quickly. Um, knowing that obviously there's limited funds or no funds available. It is literally going to be just down to pure grit and dedicating that time to be able to produce the surfaces. And I think that, that I think the elite can quite easily relay that knowledge down mm. um, and, and, and help that way. And, I've done a couple of webinars for RGC like last year where again I've got there's no context I've got no preconceptions of how it's all, all is where everybody's at so I thought well let's just start with the basics let's just yeah. get everybody a really good solid understanding of what they need to start looking at to produce a good surface and I think when you look at it like that and you do start breaking it out, breaking it down like that, there's a ridiculous amount of information that you can split up over quite a period of time and build build that up so these guys can really start getting a good understanding of what they're doing and when they do it to produce pitches. And um, I also hope as well, especially with that RGC, with the webinars, we'll sometimes get the chairman on there and we'll get the treasurers on there and we'll get guys that are actually really looking after the facilities and they're getting a bit of a, a an education as well. And that helps because then they realise actually if we're going to completely abuse our pitches because mm-hmm. we want to have the juniors on there, all the age groups, we want the women on there, we want the men on there. And you're thinking, well, that's fine, but don't pump all your money into the first team pitch. It's only getting used once a week. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And it, and yeah. It could be something as simple as that. It could be something as simple as that, saying, right, actually, you need to, the way your budget's split, you need to actually do two thirds on your training facility. Mm. And you need to manage that usage to have, make sure that pitch can do a season. And it's fair for everybody. Everybody gets as good a surface as possible for the playing season, mm. rather than just rock up in August. It's completely obliterated by October. And then it's probably maybe good to go again by April. So there's five months of the year that it's just basically not fit for purpose. Yeah. And it's and it is, it's just by giving these people just some of that basic understanding that they can take ownership of it 
and and actually start to implement some of that. And I, and I think that's the key. I, I think stripping it right back, I think, could probably be yeah. excessive. I, I, I think it's just people can't expect change to happen in a day or a, or a week or a month or even a year. It might take two or three, four, five years of very careful planning, um, sound practices, um, and build that kind of process up and learn about your surface and what it can and cannot do. Um, and I, th- I honestly think there would be a, a, a huge improvement in grassroots. And it is, okay, it's not all about money. I, don't get me wrong, it's important, but it's not all about money. Mm. I think that there has to be a, there has to be a, a level of work that needs to be put in before we start talking about, right, I need a tractor or I need, I need 10 grand grants to do pitch renovations. That has to be identified first. Mm. We might find actually, if you've not, if we, you might find by doing the basic maintenance and just changing some of your practices or even implementing some practices that you'll see a huge improvement. They might actually be perfectly adequate for what you need. Yeah. Therefore, you don't need to apply for any grant money. It, that could actually go to somewhere where people do have some serious drainage issues where they will have to put lateral drains mm. in and sand banding and um, a main drain, which is going to cost X amount of thousands of pounds. Well, then that should go to them to make sure that that club can do what you've been able to do, which is be able to host all your age groups. You've been able to do that. You've had to have a small break where you've allowed the pitch to rest and recover and carry on as per normal. And I think that's really important. I think it is. It's just going to take a. It is going to take a bit of time. You can't mm. just have. You can't just change things overnight. It's just not how things work. And I, I think once you understand that you're in for the long run. And it, and it is a long run. I mean, my predecessor Keith, he he spent years and years ago. And it, it it was to a degree. It was it, it was his baby. He was a, the founder. He kind of got the got it all up and running with the help from um, facilities at the RFU. And now it's just a case of well, maybe just a, uh, maybe a bit of evolving from me, just to kind of move everything on a little bit and just change things slightly. But I, I think the pandemic, in some respects, has helped because. Would, would we have um, approached doing a webinar um, if it was normal times? Or would I have still gone out and been on the road like Keith was and visited lots of clubs and did a lot of face-to-face meetings and mm. pitch assessing that way? Whereas I think with a webinar, it's very easy to get into a wide audience and share quite a lot of information fairly readily. And I think that's, that's a good, good thing. And I, I, we're, we're looking to continue with that so i think we're either going to do quarterly or every other month we're going to look to do a webinar of some kind um, and whether that be more technical um, as in turf specific from me mm. or whether we have something to do with facilities how they apply for grants um, and, and not only that though but it helps feedback from them guys as well we actually get a bit of a feel for who's interested yeah. um, what, what do they want to know what don't they know so you know you have the chat box open and you see all these questions getting fired in and things like that and you're thinking well okay we've got some interaction and engagement here and that's what we need so uh, we'll see how it goes watch this space I mean it's certainly it's certainly something I'm really really interested in, in in trying to keep going and I'm hoping we can have the desired impacts we need over the next few years just to really see an improvement in grassroots it's important important for the sport massively important yeah. for the sport. hugely and i think you, you you hit the nail on the head there when you said we're in it for the long run you know the the sustainable approach 
Um, and it seems that, well, me and you talk about quite a lot about data collation, where these guys are at right now, trying to come up with the right approaches for them, i.e. kind of little and often, you know, good cultural practices at the right times. Definitely speak for the for the football side. What I tended to see in, in, in that side in the grassroots the last few years is that a lot of clubs are investing a lot of money in kind of a, one big reno and then it was nothing. Yeah. You know, in between. Whether, whether that's um, the advice that had been given at that time mm. or whether it was a... Um, they'd seen it done somewhere else and they thought, well, we, we should do that, you know? And I, I, I'm very keen to ensure people understand the elite levels where we're renovating every year and we're making sure that we're cleaning all the, all the material away and starting from scratch. It's completely unique. Yeah. It has to happen, but it's completely unique. I mean, we're working with sand-based root zones, completely inert of um, significant amounts of microbial activity. It can't break down organic matter, so it just builds up. So between cultural practices and some and or biological intervention, we can manage it, but it's not, it's not sustainable over a long period of time. So we have to renovate. But if you've got natural soils and you understand what you've got there as soils, yeah, of course, of course you can let clippings fly. Of course you can, you can scarify regularly and get some of that lazy lateral growth out there and get some strong new growth come through. And it's, I mean, we had an interesting one. We did, uh, we did a webinar and we were saying uh, sort of the basic sort of practices that you would do. And we put polls out just to see what everybody did. And one of them was scarification. Mm-hmm. Nobody did it. Yeah. And you're like, well, as far as I'm concerned, during a growing season, that's a crucial practice. So if you want the strongest pitch possible, then remove all that lateral, take all that crap out that doesn't need to be in there. Your drainage will most likely improve from the Mm. get-go. Take it out. You're going to have stronger plant that's going to be able to withstand the usage. It's going to be looking better aesthetically. You know, it's just like, well, you've only got to do that once every couple of weeks. As an absolute maximum, you can probably do it once a month. As long as you're kind of able to take some of that material out and take it away, then so something as simple as that, and you could uh, and you try and imagine what that improvement potentially could be if people actually implemented that practice and did it regularly. I mean, it yeah. could be exponential. You well, know, it, it's it's part of what I look at quite deeply is that from a kind of top tier and, and stuff like that, what message are we actually sending to these guys? Is it, in order to get a good pitch, it needs to be absolutely striped up and blinging? Or is it, you know, that actually, guys, we need to understand the kind of basics and fundamentals behind what makes a good, consistent pitch? And if you get that right over the season, yeah. your actual uh, visuals and stuff like that will, will come. Yeah, yeah. I, I know, and I think this is, people need to need to remember we've, we've done all the baking we've put all the yeah. ingredients in <laughs> exactly we've, we've, we've got the sound tasty cake and the striping up and the white lines and everything that's just the decoration yeah <laughs> you know yeah. we've just presented a surface but the actual surface itself that's the nutrition that's the practices we've put in place that's the operations that's the planning that's all the hard work to make sure that natural or organic living plant can be as healthy and as strong as it can be yeah and, th- and, th- and then we bling it 
So yeah. it, that that's not the be all and end all for us. It's just that we have, have the ability to present and, and to a degree it does it does have to look nice. There's an expectation that it has to it has to look good, but ultimately it's all about making sure you've got those fundamentals right during the week to be able to present for the match day. And it's not excessive, you know. We're not kind of like, oh, stripe, 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 stripe. It's like, my, the way I've kind of worked things, the way we've operated all the time is that we'll do all the hard work during the week, but I won't, I, I will take the pattern out. So, like, now, for instance, we, we, we'll flip the pattern, so I'll cut the pattern in, but tomorrow we'll take it all back out again, just so it's all standing upright. Yeah. And then, what we tend to find is that all our preparation will be done on a Friday and on, uh, and on the match day. And then, by the time match days is finished and we're done, we brush it all back out and stand it all back up again. Uh, and that's because we don't have to. You yeah. don't have to put a stripe in it. I mean, it, yes, okay, it presents and it looks nice, but that's for the match day. Save it for the match day. The rest of the time, you're making sure that turf's healthy. That's it. So if that means you've got to stand it all up, if that means it's got to look a little bit crap on a Wednesday, then it looks a bit crap on a Wednesday, but is it healthy? Yes, it is. Well, I think it's been highlighted this year because, one, people haven't had proper Renaults in the colour top tier, but also you're getting hammered with games. You know, I'm seeing picture lists being sent through to me that's like Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, training on Friday. It's a unique time uh, at the moment, obviously, with the, the start of the pandemic, which meant the late season finishing, which means a lot of guys didn't get an opportunity to do the full renovation or didn't know when football was going to start again. And everybody was like, right, let's shall we renovate, shall we not renovate, shall we part renovate? Uh, I was in the same boat myself. I mean, we didn't know when rugby was going to start again. Mm-hmm. We didn't know if there was going to, also, I mean, we could, I could have, right, we're going to renovate, and then, oh, actually, we're starting back up again. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Everybody yeah. okay to play on Deso? But yeah, so it's, it, it, it put everybody in a, in a situation that they'd never been in before, basically. So certainly the, certainly the, top tier certainly the elite level those guys that do renovate every close season in preparation and do the summer growing and be ready for the start of the season again or obviously if you're cricket or uh, rugby league etc it'd be different times of year but you have the routine it's there and then to have it completely chucked out the window and it's gone it's literally just gone from break there we go growing season starts right through yes it's going to get busy when we get congestion down around Christmas time that's normal come out the other side break start again and all of a sudden it's gone it break oh, back to finish that season off four weeks off then we start again and like I say just to kind of make sure all those games get played they're just playing them as, uh, when they can and it is it's, it's intense and I feel for all the guys that have had to do all of that and they didn't get the opportunity to do the renovation that they wanted to do. And I think at times like that, it's, it's, it's difficult not to think that you've done everything wrong, but it's not. The bottom line is, is the circumstances have been pretty much changed so much that it wouldn't have mattered if you were the best groundsman on the planet. Yeah. The likelihood is we, everybody would have struggled. Uh, and it's just like that and it ends we mentioned it before about that risk mitigation you, you you get put into a position where that risk mitigation gets taken away from you to a degree mm-hmm. so that's the reason you renovate is that you're taking that risk of having a pitch that's not going to perform the next season to then do what you think is enough knowing that you don't know when it's going to get started and played again and the fact that you don't want to put yourself under that pressure to try and grow a pitch in 
four weeks. Yeah. That sort of element there. So you can't question anybody's decision on what they've decided to do with their pitch because ultimately they've reviewed it, they've planned, they've made their decision, and they've and they've done it. And it's been a it's been a crap winter. It's been ridiculously wet, and I think to have the expectation that pitchers are going to be exemplary this time of year with guys that have only been able to do either part or no renovations mm. that those expectations have to be managed that it's that's how it's going to be that's just what's going to happen yeah. you can't play on pitches as often as you can and it not being renovated and taken care of as, as well as the groundsman would like it to be and then have the winter we've had it's yeah. just and of course, if, if anything is going to go wrong outside of your control, it's, it'll go wrong now. You know, at the worst point in the year. We all know where that pressure point is. Yeah. If you're working in winter sports, everybody knows where that pressure point is. And it's always over that kind of anywhere from beginning of December right through to probably end of February. Mm. I'd probably say that there's that point where the grass is going dormant, yeah. the usage has gone up. And the weather's gone bad. <laughs> that that is just that, that that sort of mixture is going to give you problems, and there's just no two ways about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, have, like I say, you, we all know we can have a normal season, and you can get into December, and the pitch is going backwards, yeah. and that's when everything has gone right. But like I say, as soon as you've got any of those things start to go extreme, either the usage, the weather, or um, you've got a problem with your pitch, then that's just what's going to happen it's just yeah. I think being able to just go right we know why that's done that and I think if anything it's highlighted the importance of what we do and why we do it Agreed. if anything else and I think you've got to look at it from that point of view rather than saying oh the pitch is um, underperformed I don't like the word failed because I think that's there's no such thing as that it's mm. not performed as where, where as well as you'd like it to and I think that really helps justify why we do what we do and when we do it um be asked from there on out basically so when everything reverts back to normal however that normal looks but in terms of moving back into a similar sort of thing i think a lot more groundsmen have got the ability to be listened to now yeah. with the ability to, so they can actually well do you want to have uh, do you want to have a pitch that's going to look like this in such and such i mean yeah there's categorically there's reasons behind it but ultimately you understand how close you are for things to go wrong if your pitches mm-hmm. of a certain age or you haven't been able to do a certain thing. It, nobody can turn around and say, well, you can't do your renovations this year. And then, I mean, you could just go onto YouTube and say, well, this is what the pitch was like then when we didn't do it. What I do see in the, the groundsmanship side is that, I mean, it's a very special breed. You know, everyone is so kind of passionate, if you know what I mean, and dedicated to what they do it's really hard not to take things personally where it isn't performing at its best and I think something that I did want to talk about with you because I think you do it really really well is uh, social media you know and how how people are very very quick to judge or very quick to kind of put the boot in uh, if a pitch isn't quite performing and without really finding the facts behind that and it's, it's, for me, I always try and understand things. You know, where's that, that person's head at? What good are they going to get out of 
yeah. saying negative things to these guys, is it going to make them feel better? Are they saying it because they're under pressure? And for people outside of the industry, but I think it hurts more if it's a, if it's somebody inside the industry. Social media is a strange animal, really. I think it's um, an exceptional tool to be able to share what you do, whether that is, okay, pitches ready for match day, it's as good as we can get it, here's a photo. Mm-hmm. Um, pitches battered, <laughs> here's a photo. Yeah. You know, and uh, for me, it was interesting, really. I mean, I just thought it's an opportunity for me to share what we do. I mean, I didn't really see anything much beyond that. I think it was just an opportunity just to see, well, people are either like it or they won't like it. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I wanted to kind of keep it very much a professional account, as in it's, it is pretty much for work purposes. Um, and again, I think it's just even if somebody just wanted to have a look at it and go, and they've got, well, Jim's tried it down to it, maybe we could try it. And yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, again, it's just another opportunity to share information. And it's not, uh, I, I've never seen a social media account for me as any sort of promotion at all. I've got no intention of that. I honestly don't. I think when you're in a certain position, I think you have, I think you have a responsibility to be able to help the industry. And that's the way I kind of view it, is that it is a way of promoting what we do and that it isn't just a case of, oh, yeah, you just cut the grass and bang some white lines down and crack on with the game. But I want to show how much more there is to it and that it isn't just a case of, like I say, oh, yeah, one guy can just do that. And again, it's just trying to erase that awareness. And I kind of hope really that, as nice as it is that I've got all the fellow turfy geeks on there liking my stuff, I actually wouldn't mind if it reached a little bit beyond that and people kind of got to see what we did from a different perspective. Somebody from who has no relation to the no relationship with the turf industry whatsoever and actually see it and go, cool, that's quite actually quite interesting. <laughs> Maybe they won't, I don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah. but actually just to get a bit of a better understanding. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing with the social media is that it's it's easy for people to type what they want on their phone on a profile that quite frankly could get deleted the same day and slag something off. The downside to the pandemic is there's a lot of people sat at home on their asses with not a lot to do. So they're scrolling through social media four or five hours a day and they're bored and it's just like, well, and it's just human nature to try and instigate and, create some challenge or drama and it's I think it's very easy to kind of try and shoot people down without having a really good understanding of what's gone on like you said what what's gone on behind closed doors what 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 has the groundsman had to do what has happened for that reason they don't ask those questions they're just like yeah picture shit and I I don't know maybe as I've got a bit older I think to be honest it doesn't matter what anybody says to me the likelihood is I'll know when my pitch is shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need anybody else to tell yeah, me. Exactly. It'll be the same for anybody else. You yeah. know, it's just like I, I look at it, and if people's pitches kind of uh, took a turn for the worse and they're underperforming, I can automatically relate to that because I've been there and done it. It's happened to me. I've gone yeah. and it's just like, wow, this is tough, and it is, and that, and that's just that's just what it is. You know, it's just like the likelihood is you're going to have to have to go through that experience to gain a different set of skills that you would have not necessarily had the opportunity to have and uh, it's hard not to try and 
see it as a negative, but I think for a lot of people, they have just got to say, right, okay, what can I learn from this? Yeah. Because it's it's so easy just to criticise yourself, look at things back in hindsight, and going, oh, I wish I'd done that, I wish I'd done this. You can't change that now, it's done. But what you can do is reference and record what you did do and then just make some notes to yourself and say, right, actually, I think I might have done that and mm-hmm. maybe do it this way. And then uh, ultimately, it's just, again, you're able to compartmentalize that experience and break it all down, understand it, and then go, right, it's done. And so we're going forward. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no point There's no point looking back because you're not going that way. That's well, what they say. I think you've hit the nail on the head then when, like, if your pitch isn't playing great, you don't need to be told because you, no. you, you guys no, are, exactly. your, are your biggest critics. But I always try and find the positive in things. And I've seen a couple of posts, um, especially over the last few months, where people are on edge a bit anyway, Jim. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. with, with everything, I'm, you know, it's affected us all in different ways. Um, but I think as a, as a community and as a, an industry, you know, we should be really coming together and going, do you know what? I'm going to, instead of writing something or, you know, giving light to that uh, negative message, I'll ping him an inbox. And I'll go, you all right, mate? How's everything going? Yeah. You know, and try and pick people up as opposed to... Yeah, no, and I think that's the thing as well. I think it is, going back to what we were talking about earlier, in the, the whole communication piece, and mm. I think it's not it's not being scared to reach out to people. I'd mm. rather reach out to somebody and say, no, you know what, mate, I'm actually all right. And it's like, oh, okay, mate, fine. fine. Just check it in, just make sure you're all good. But you just never know. That one time that you just ping in there and just say, everything all right, it's actually, oh, you know what, Jim, it's actually it's complete and utter crap. And I feel like crap and it's been bad. And sometimes sometimes people, you know, you just need to get stuff off your chest. You just need to have a good vent, you know. And if you want to be able to do that with like-minded people, then I think you should. And I think it's really important that you can just speak to people that have at least had or understands the experience that you're going through. Yeah. Uh, I think it's um, as, as nice as it is to be able to pick the phone up and, uh, and speak to one of your parents or your brother or whoever you, your confidant is. They don't really understand unless they're in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's, it's nice that if you've got people that are within the industry that you can just approach and just say, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, I'm struggling. And at least you can kind of have that conversation of talking through with people again that feedback from guys that you can just have elements of understanding there i think that's the key and i, and I think that makes such a big difference but like i say social, social media is one hell of a weird world and it can be wonderful sometimes and it can be absolute nightmarish at others i think you just need to know when to have a break from it i mean mm. it's easy just to sit there and scroll through it and and you see somebody um, getting slagged off and you and, and I generally don't interact I don't need to waste time or energy on anybody that's decided to go down that road yeah um, I know there's a lot of people that will just want to go well you should you need to try and put them right you need to get a but it's not my battle it's not for me there to, to, to go in there and wade in and uh, and say this and do that and all the other I mean there's enough of that that goes on there already but it it doesn't help, you know. Yeah. It's just all com- it's just all confrontation, and you're just like, I don't understand that element of social media. Yeah. I don't like it in particular. I, I like to use it as a tool to share information of what we do and try and keep things positive and and 
and upbeat and and just be real, you know, just be honest. It's just it's a, it's nice to be able to post on there and say, right, we're match day. It's all blinged up. This is what it's looking like. But you know what? It's nice when you go in there and just say, you know what? We did this today and it went absolute to tits. <laughs> It'd be nice just to put that on there and just say, we had this idea. We decided to do this. Do you know what? It went absolutely wrong. Just so you know, guys, no, don't do it this way. I think it would be quite good if social media was more like that. Um, but everybody's just too scared to get put anything out there to get battered. And it's uh, part human nature, part the how social media and its standard is and how people interact with it but it'd be a really good way for social media to go is that people can just have that bit of fun enjoy it interact share ideas have conversations around something that you both are in- have interests in uh, and if you want to put some funny memes on there or whatever then knock yourself out <laughs> i love a meme <laughs> mate yeah knock yourself out but it's yeah, I mean, again, I, I didn't really go out there with the intention. I just felt like I, I have a responsibility to do that. Yeah. Uh, and I think to see it, anything other than that, I think, can be quite dangerous. So I, I kind of just keep it quiet. I sit right in the middle of the radar. I don't skirt around the edges. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of just sit there and said, yeah, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. The end. And at the end of the day, worst case scenario, if, if things just start getting a little bit toxic and stuff like that, then I'll just sign out and I said I'll I'll see you in a couple of months. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it's just a lot easier. Just to, that's the beauty of it. Everybody's thinking, oh, social media, this that, and the other. So you're in you're in control. I see social media within our industry as a huge potential to do the right things with the right positive things in the right communities. And I really want to promote the good yeah. guys on there and the guys who are being open and honest. On social media for Groundsman, you would get flooded with pictures in the growing months. And then, nobody... And that's the thing, though. I think, I think people just need to be a bit more brave. I mean, at the end of the day, that's our industry. Everybody knows that everybody else is exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, I don't know... Everybody's, like I say, they just don't... They're f- fearful of being critiqued, and I just don't see... That I think everybody's better off being bonus of well, we had a wet game and yeah. oh, South, South Goldmouth's gone, or <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, they came and did, they came and did a captain's run and absolutely destroyed one area, yeah. and I've got a game tomorrow. Excellent, do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, but I think there. 100%. But I think that the more that we can make it, you know, inviting for people to be kind of upfront and positive, then the quicker we'll all develop together. If you're scared to put stuff out there you know, for being ridiculed and all, all the rest of it, that stops development. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. No, I think it's, um, like I say, it, it could be a very, very good tool. Um, and I think it is a good tool if people use it correctly. And I think it's just not having to put up with the trolls and all the rest of it. Everybody doesn't mind a bit of banter, the inside jokes that people have got in between each other that you just don't have any reference to whatsoever. Um, that, that's completely understandable. But like I say, when it when people start when it all starts getting a bit toxic and people are a bit too scared to even use social media, then it's it doesn't serve its purpose, does it? So well, no, it, it doesn't. And I know for a couple of people who have come off social media for those reasons. One thing, if anyone listens to this, um, be positive. You know, there, there's good people out there, and there are good people who want to see everyone progress. You know, regardless uh, uh, of where they're at. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And, uh, and it's 
it's definitely something that I, it is changing very slowly. Mm. It is changing very slowly, and there's no expectations that we're still going to have the same kind of tidal wave of growing season, blinged pitches, and all the rest of it. But you can't blame anybody for that. That's what no. we've been looking forward to. You know, everybody yeah. wants to be able to show off their work. It's completely example, but on the flip side of that, they need to say, do you know what? <laughs> this is the other side of groundsmanship. This is where we are when it's in the thick of December, and we've just been smashed up for five or six games this month, and this is what we've got. Two week, two week break, and yeah, lights are on, preacher seeds down, sheets are on, then we're all praying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> saying, come on, temperature. Yeah, exactly. You know, kick like, back roll in. On, roll on, end of Feb. Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass.